0: Let's play some football! Run right to the back of him! Run right through the middle and out the back!
1: What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. TV,
0: you're-
2: Hey, what up? This is
1: Daytime Fireworks. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, as always, David Brandt of the Associated Press. David, good morning. How are we doing in Arizona?
0: Good morning. Doing pretty well. I've actually been uh, dabbling and trying to secure, actually, not really trying to secure because they're too expensive, but Taylor Swift tickets are on pre sale right now. Yeah. In case you were curious,
1: they, yeah, they on- are
0: a, a hot ticket, as you would imagine.
1: Yes. Um, my wife is either already done it or she's upstairs doing it right now. Um, <laughs> as we record this, I was looped into trying to get into the pre-sales. Well, I did not. She got in. Um, so I did. Uh, well, when you, when you well, signed up for to it.
0: Yeah, I did not. I, I didn't realize all the hoops you had to jump through. And so I was just kind of
1: yeah, fiddling around.
0: Came... I saw, I saw everybody tweeting about it and I jumped on there. Quite a process.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it is, and um, she did announce like a third show in Nashville, so maybe that'll help for Ooh. for us. Yeah, I
0: figure if she's gonna have three shows anywhere, it'd probably be Nashville.
1: Yeah, and then you know, speaking of that, and uh, I was shocked Tyler Childers is doing another tour, and he has zero shows in Nashville, none in Tennessee whatsoever, which I was shocked. Really? Yeah, okay. I was I was bummed because I had tickets to see him and Sturgill. At Bridgestone, and then it was canceled from during COVID, and they never, they never redid their tour, or like you know, they never did the show, and that was a bummer because I feel like Sturgill's a guy that will just up and just hang it up and quit music one day without any, you know, like it'll be a sudden thing where he just seems like someone that's you know he doesn't really need music, he just does it because he's good at it.
0: Right, he just seems like one day he'll get tired of it and go on to other pursuits.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah. So all right. Enough about Swifty and and music. Let's get into uh, <laughs> to week eleven. Um, we won't spend too much time on it because at this point, people are trying to flush it and move on. Because um, it was a uh, it was a bummer. But uh, Ole Miss loses to Alabama, thirty to twenty four. I was in attendance for this one. Ole Miss had their chances. I thought the defense played you know, all things considered played extremely well, gave them a chance to win that game at the end. Um, there were plenty of factors that went into it that, uh, I think cost Ole Miss the game, but I want to hear your thoughts first.
0: Well, I mean, like you said, it was, you know, they had their chances. They, they had the ball. They, they were driving. They oh for three on fourth down tries in the game. Um, you know, they just uh, in two in a game where it's two heavyweights and I, I think you could actually say that about Ole Miss right now. Yeah, it's about who come who yeah. makes the the plays on fourth down, on third down late, and Ole Miss didn't. They just didn't. And they they had a lead, they had their chances, and it just didn't quite happen. So I mean, like like you said, there's not much you could only dissect it so much. I, I just think it was two good teams and Alabama made more plays in, in crunch time on those crucial downs. You know, when games come down to four or five plays, Alabama made most of them.
1: When's the last time you could say that Ole Miss was the better team and Alabama was fortunate?
0: Well, that's what I mean. Like, and I don't – it would be a stretch for me to say Ole Miss was the better team. But there were there were two really similar, very good teams on the – field. you know what I mean? Like, usually – Alabama is playing at a level, you know, you have to kind of sneak up on them or catch them on a bad day or something like that. And I just didn't think that was the case. I mean, I, I think that Ole Miss could line up with them pretty much at every position. You know, I think, you know, Alabama would have a quarterback edge and a couple edges in different places, but it was, you know, it, it, again, it was two heavyweights going at it and uh, Alabama pulled it out at the end. They They made the plays
1: out outgained Alabama 403 to 317. Um, and look, in the year 2022, holding somebody to 317 yards is is a pretty pretty damn good in job. In a
0: college football game, that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah that's very, um, very
1: good. Olmus had more first downs. Um, Bama had the time of possession edge. Uh I thought that the the things that st- stood out to me in this game that cost Ole Miss first of all Zach Evans going out with a concussion sure. I think is number one um, just because you saw at the end of the game Quinshawn Judkins was just absolutely gassed I mean he was the 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 he Popeyes, gave them
0: everything they had yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like, he was
1: like the Popeyes worker like the meme of the Popeyes worker sitting outside just you know elbows on his knees hunched over just exhausted. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Judkins. I mean, the last drive, he had that long run that he had just been so close to busting one all game. Finally, got it. Got Ole Miss down in the red zone. He was just exhausted. He couldn't do. Uh, and you know, Ulysses Bentley was limited because of the cast on his wrist. Um, that he ran it a couple times, but I I just didn't think that they were going to be able to trust him in that point right. of the game with ball security. Um, I think Zach Evans going down was the big one because he was running the football effectively and it was going to be able to help Judkins get some rest down the stretch. Um, the O-line just, man, just second half, we're just getting mauled. Right. Um, it's, it's quite the juxtaposition with how well they can pat, how well they can run block versus pass block. Um, and now I know Alabama's got some dudes, you know, Will Anderson exists. He's over there, Dallas Turner. Um, and I think that Saban kind of, you know, sensed there was blood in the water there with Judkins, not only being tired, but they were really coming after dart in passing situations. But right. um, I think that was big. And then just down the stretch, the the play calling on some of the third downs was a little interesting to me. I didn't, didn't particularly care for it, especially the last two possessions. You got a third and long, and I think you know you're going for it on fourth. So try to get yourself a more manageable third or more manageable fourth down, I should say. Um, but again, that could also be attributed to just Dart didn't have much time to do anything. But um, I don't know. We we have to mention it. It's not – this isn't a podcast that's going to say that the officials cost Ole Miss the game. But there were some very just – blatantly terrible missed calls in this game. I mean, yeah. I, uh, the early on, there was a face mask early. The face mask,
0: I, I had forgotten about that. Yes, that was missed.
1: Um, There was a pass interference that wasn't called where they just tackled the receiver that was like 15 yards downfield. Um, <laughs> That one, really the three that I thought were big in the second half Jackson dart design run gets about 12 and they called holding on Jordan Watkins and they showed the replay and Jordan Watkins literally runs up to the DB and the DB just pancakes him and they called, called him, called him for holding. Um, that, you know, kills a long run on first down that got him to midfield. Um, they ended up punting it away. Um, so, yeah, this isn't a, oh, the officials cost Ole Miss the game. That's not what this is because Ole Miss still had a chance to win it, you know, threw a ball into the end zone on the last play. Um, But, you know, I, I think walking out of that game, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, it sucks to lose. You, you obviously want to win and be 9-1 and one and, you know, still technically be in contention for the SEC West, but it, it's not the worst thing. You're 8-2. and two, You're still – sitting at a chance to win 10 games in the regular season again and you're going to be favored in the next two games so I think that yeah sure you want to win and it sucks that you didn't but I think Saturday was a an absolute just without a doubt an indication that that you're trending in the right way and you're really knocking on the door of that first tier in the SEC.
0: Oh, I think so too, and I think if you're Ole Miss right now, it it or an Ole Miss fan for that matter, it should hurt. Um, and and the reason why it hurts is, you know, most of the years I covered them from you know 2007 to 2019. Like even when Ole Miss would have a good team, like it was always like a a, a minor miracle had to happen to beat Alabama. You know what I mean? Something big something right unforeseen had to happen but I think this was one of the first times in a long time I can remember that again like you mentioned earlier Ole Miss lined up with Alabama and there wasn't a huge talents discrepancy uh, you could argue that even in several spots Ole Miss had an advantage and so for them to go toe-to-toe with somebody like that you can see the teams on the field you can see that you have a good chance to win and then you don't I mean that's why you're disappointed. Certainly eight and two, it's still a good season. I mean, nobody's going to deny that, but, but it hurts because it was, it wasn't just a, a pipe dream. It was, it was a real. Yeah. You know, you know, this was these, again, it was two really good teams going at it Alabama won, and that hurts when you know that you had arguably a better team or at least as good of a team and it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. I mean, you jump out to the big lead and, and I, Alabama, they were certainly on their toes, um, or I should say on their heels. Um, they kind of got kind of got popped in the mouth a little bit early on. Ole Miss kind of took it to them. I thought that yeah. if you're going to take any small wins, I don't want to call them moral victories because I don't think that's what it is. I, I think it was encouraging, if you're an Ole Miss fan, to see Ole Miss, I guess, two or three times in the red zone, just line up and just run right at Alabama. Yeah. I mean – I think that was deliberate and, you know, it got to the point where they were getting down to like inside the one and, you know, you're screaming at your TV or you're in the stadium and you're like, just sneak it. And then Kiffin and just true Kiffin fashion puts his freshman phenom and, you know, the wildcat and just says, Hey, we're going to run right here and let's see if you can stop us. And I mean, they took it to him. I mean, there were two or three, I guess two out of the three touchdowns. Judkins ran right through a linebacker. Yeah,
0: one yard, one yard runs.
1: I, I mean, I thought that that was something that you haven't seen an Ole Miss team do in a long time, where it's just, right, just physically
0: they can handle it. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it's like we don't we don't care who you are. We don't care what what you know. Oh, you're, you you've got the you've got the helmets with the numbers on the side, and you've got the the greatest coach ever in the history of the sport on the sideline. Like, no, nah, we're, we're going to do our thing. We're, we're going to do what we do and we're going to run right through you. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's some small wins to take. I, mean, I thought the defense played tremendous. I mean, yeah, sure. I,
0: well, especially in the first half, especially.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were some spots where you probably wanted to make a couple tackles in the open field. It's hard to, I mean, sure. You can get angry about missing some sacks and, letting Bryce Young slip away, but he's done that to everybody all year. Sure. So it wasn't like a, an anomaly where, well, he, he made those plays cause Ole Miss couldn't tackle or couldn't, couldn't get home. No, he's done that to everybody. I mean, he did it to Texas. He did it to A&M. He's done that all year. Done it, He did it to LSU when they almost won that game. Um, so I do think though, it's hard to you know swallow your pride as an Ole Miss fan and to, to try to find a, you know, a silver lining here. But I think you very, I don't think it's crazy to say that Alabama was worried on Saturday.
0: Oh, sure. And they should have been. And and to their credit, that was the thing that I was worried, you know, because we've talked about how good Alabama is after a loss, but that's almost always after their first loss. This was their second loss. Mm-hmm. that had, you know, knocked them out of essentially national title conversation, all that stuff. And, you know, to see them respond, I think, says a lot about Nick Saban and, you know, kind of the control. he still got that team up to play. And yeah. I know that sounds, you know, it's a big game against Old Miss. It was number 10 versus number 11. and And that's a huge game for every other team in the country. But for Alabama, it's a little bit of a letdown, you know, going into that game not being – uh, number one or number you know what they usually are so I, mm-hmm. I think that I it just makes me respect Nick Saban even more for get, for getting the most out of a perfect team to segue kind of different sports that's what I always liked about Mike Bianco with Ole Miss baseball is that even when he had kind of a crappier team by his standards he still managed to pull 38 wins out of that team and get to the NCAA regional. And yeah, they don't win at all, but every year they are in the mix. And, and so it impresses me that Alabama can do that, not just with a front runner, but when things go South, when things, you know, people are upset about the way things have gone, he can still rally it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah I was in attendance for this one. I imagine on television the crowd looked amazing because in person it was probably one of it was probably a top five Ole Miss crowd that I've ever oh sure been a part of oh it looked um, great
0: it was packed. a great uniform game too if that, it
1: was yeah yeah the, was. but
0: it was just a very pleasing game to watch on tv to the eye
1: yeah I keep hearing more and more non-Ole Miss people more national writers analysts just People in general that are, have no ties to Ole Miss say how much they love the the powder blue, and they're just like, man, like I can't believe it. It, it took Ole Miss so long to to utilize it, but it it definitely um, it looks great on TV, and yeah, in person, it was a it was a great matchup uniform wise. Um, all right, so we're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we're we're gonna talk about what everybody wants to hear about. Um, so hang tight, hear from the sponsors, and then we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta Catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet friendly venue and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild and South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one with Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662 238 3500 and place your order today. Show also brought to you by Memphis restaurateur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. of the wide plush always Fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at
2: 662-893-4444. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark That's EUFY Video Lock. Or visit com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Ufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast
1: Network. And we are back here on daytime fireworks second segment here. All right, David, we we, we gotta we gotta talk about the elephant in the room here. Um Auburn's still looking for a head coach. Uh, They did get a big win over the weekend, beating Texas A&M. Cadillac Williams having a big moment post-game with Cole Kubelik. Goes over to the stadium, goes over to the fans. Big moment for him. Um, I'll say this. I told somebody this last night. If you're an Auburn fan, unless you're riding with with Cadillac, you kind of want to lose out, right? You don't want him to gain any momentum. Yeah, I mean, it
0: all kind of runs down to how you feel about Cadillac Williams. I don't know a ton about his. But, yes, when you make it, you know, Arizona State's kind of in the the same situation with their interim coach named Sean Aguano. Um, You know, and, again, if you're a fan of Cadillac Williams, that's great. But, yeah, I mean, it puts pressure on them. Anytime you do well down the stretch and kind of rally a team that had every reason to fall apart, it just makes – it can make things – a little more sticky I, I don't know if that will happen at Auburn but certainly Cadillac has done a good job
1: yeah and, and look he's he's one of theirs you know the golden boy oh, from that would-be national championship be team.
0: Pressure. yeah there oh yeah pressure
1: and I mean but all things you know all jokes aside I mean he's a he's been a great position coach um he's a great recruiter and, I mean, that's somebody that they could rally around for sure. He would be able to, you know, he's he's on the staff. He was on the staff with Harson. He's been there. He played there. He's a, he a phenomenal player. He would be someone that could hold the the recruiting class intact and be able to, to bridge to next year if he were to get the job. But, I mean, I think most Auburn people, and I don't think it's a slight at Cadillac or, you know, I don't think it's – people don't want Cadillac or don't like him. I think they, it's just the obvious – you know, this is Auburn, this is an SEC West program. We want to go get a big name. So naturally.
0: Yeah. It's just a big jump for Cadillac. I mean, to be quite yeah. honest, I mean, could he do it? Yeah. I mean, people have done it before, but you're just, you're kind of taking a risk. And I mean, you know, you're, you're taking a risk with anybody, but you know, sometimes those, those kind of out of the box moves work out. Sometimes they don't, but there's, there's no doubt that it's it's a bigger risk than some of the other ones.
1: Yeah. Um. So they're, wanting to go for that splash naturally at the top of their list is Lane Kiffin. I, I told you before we started, I had some thoughts on this and, and, and why I think the way I do, but just kind of off the, uh, you know, top of the dome here, freestyle, what are your thoughts on, on their pursuit of Lane Kiffen?
0: Well, my thoughts just haven't really changed that much. I don't, I mean, yeah, they lost to Alabama, but you know, they, Ole Miss obviously has a foundation built where they can win and win big. Like, what What does Auburn offer at this point that Ole Miss doesn't? I just – I truly don't – and that's not a slight – this is more of how much I think Ole Miss has grown as a program That I think that uh, – I think Auburn is a great job. <laughs> and in some ways, it's one of the best jobs in the country. But I, I just – you know, what are they going to do? Throw a little more money at Kiffin? You know, with the the booster situation, which we've talked about at Auburn, I just, why go and rebuild another SEC West program when you've already built an SEC West program and it competes obviously at the highest level and on a weekly basis? I don't, I mean, maybe there's something about Lane Kiffin that he loves Auburn and wants to go there. I don't, maybe he, you know, relishes the opportunity you know, to go up against Saban yearly and maybe unseat that dynasty. I don't know. Maybe that appeals to him. I don't know. But just again, from the outside looking in, I just, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why he would go to Auburn, even though it's a great job. I just don't think it makes sense for Lane Kiffin.
1: Yeah, we've talked about it. And <clears throat> look, it's it's a, it's technically a current event. We we need to discuss it on an Ole Miss podcast, but it does, doesn't make sense. It's not a fit for who Lane Kiffin is. It 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 never it, it's not right now, and I don't think it ever will be. He's not what Auburn wants. And I think it's very clear the candidate that fits perfectly for Auburn is Hugh Freeze. Just because he's going to do all the hokey stuff that they want. Oh, he would love it. He's gonna say War Eagle every, you know, every time he, you know, he will replace Hey, how you doing with War Eagle? He will do that immediately. He will do all the touchdown club meetings, and he will go around the state of Alabama and you know shake hands and and kiss babies and all that stuff. Lane Kiffin's not going to do that. Lane Kiffin's going to get there, and he's going to want to know where the airport is and when he can go to Florida. Like that's just what he does. And at Ole Miss, he has full autonomy. Keith Carter has just told him, "Hey, man." As long as you behave and you win games, we're cool. Like, it, it, do your thing. And I just Auburn's not going to be able to relinquish control like that. And on top of that, you mentioned the Alabama thing. It's a harder job because you are in the same state as Alabama with the greatest coach of all time, and you have to play Georgia every year, who is probably the premier program in the country right now. I think they've kind of passed Alabama at this point.
0: And, 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 you, and you're constantly compared to those two because yeah. of where you're located. And it doesn't matter really how good you are. It matters how good you are relative to how good they are. Like Auburn oh. could be, you know, nine and three. And if Alabama and Georgia, for some reason, stink it up, which doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, but people are happy with that. So uh, part of your success at Auburn is totally out of your control. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's it's about two other teams that, you know, yes, you can control it when you play them. But it it's just it just again, like you said, it seems like a lot of headaches. And I think maybe Lane Kiffin 10 years ago still looks at Auburn and says, well, they won a national championship fairly recently. You know, they can probably pay a little more money. You know, I, I want one of those really true blue blood jobs. I'm going for it. I can see that, but I, I don't know if this Lane Kiffin, because I think of all the things you just said, he, he has a ton of autonomy. He can go and to Florida when he wants, he can he pretty much has the run of the place. Um, I just, again, I, I don't, I, I understand totally why Auburn would kick the tires. And if you're Auburn and you're confident in what you're selling, I, I, I would be too, but I, I, I just would. It would. It would surprise me a lot.
1: Well, you mentioned. Well, here's the thing. We I, I just talked about this in the first segment. Ole Miss very easily could finish ten and two in the regular season in 2022. Right. Yeah. If you're at Auburn and you go ten and two, and your losses are to Alabama and Georgia, they're going to be pissed. Right. That's a
0: terrible season. That's what I mean. Like it. It doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, it does to some degree, but on, it matters a lot about what Alabama and, you know, Auburn's won a national championship in the last 15 years, which there's not many teams that can say that. But because Alabama has, you know, been so incredible over the last couple decades, like no one seems to care that much. They're still kind of the. I, it's just an, it's a weird position. Auburn is in one of the weirdest positions of anyone in the country, much less the SEC still doesn't, it's still a great job. I think the right person could turn that around. I do think that Nick Saban is getting older and that, well, I don't think, I mean, that's just kind of a fact of life, but the point stands. I mean, you know, Nick's not going to be there forever. Although, you know, if anybody is going to be anywhere forever, it might be Nick Saban. Uh, But I, I think there's definitely reasons for hope in that Auburn job, but I just don't, if I'm Lane Tiffin, I'd be like, oh, there's things about that that's intriguing. It's a great job for somebody else.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this is a, I mean, Auburn is just a, they're perpetually in a Ulysses Everett McGill. You know, right. I mean, it's damn, we're in a tight spot. Like always.
0: Right. It's never, I mean, when I, I can't remember the last, like, has there ever been just sort of a, not a dull year, but just a, It's been a while. It feels like since Auburn just had a year where, you know, they went nine and three and there wasn't a lot of drama. Does that even exist? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I don't even know if that
0: happens anymore. It
1: doesn't. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, so let's go look at Gus Malzahn and his, because, I mean, that's what's crazy as you think about it. They had Tommy Tuberville from 2000 to 2007 then they had Gene Chiswick from 09 to 11, and they won a national title. Then Gus from 13 to 19. And then they had, you know, Kevin Steele for, you know, the bowl game. And then you have Brian Harson. Um, but like, okay, Gus when he was at Auburn, 12 game, 12 wins his first year, and they lose in the BCS title game. And then you had eight and five, seven and six, eight and five. 10 and four, losing the Peach Bowl, eight and five, nine and four, six and four, gone. Like the, that run right there, if you're Lane Kiffin and you do that, at will miss. There's zero problems.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe. I mean, things change with the program. You elevate expectations, stuff happens. But yeah, generally speaking, that Gus Malzon run is very indicative of how tough it is you know winning seasons every year bowl games every year a couple of 10 win seasons I mean I think you could argue that you know obviously they had national championship caliber talent his first year that it kind of slowly falls off so I get it but yeah I mean if, if you're it's it's just really high standards there and yeah and there's nothing wrong with that but I think that Relative to the high standards, it's a tougher job than, say, LSU. Because, you know, with LSU, you don't have the in-state competition and you have just an incredible recruiting base basically at your front door. At Auburn, you have it too, but there's a lot of other teams kind of in the mix for those players. I just... You know, it's 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 a tough job, a super tough job, I think that lacks some of the benefits of the other jobs. But there are benefits. Again, I'm not this is not a Rip Auburn podcast. It's just a it's acknowledging that it's a great job. And I think for the right person, they could turn Auburn into an absolute monster. But you know, I think it's gonna be somebody that has a little less to lose than Lane Kiffin. Because I mean, right now he's got a pretty good thing going.
1: Yeah. I, and look, I'll say, I just, another thing is, I don't, I just, if we're talking, we mentioned uniforms in the first segment. I don't know if Lane Kiffin will go to an Under Armour school.
0: Yeah. That's an entirely different <laughs> ball, but, but it's very true. I mean, like, that's, that's something that people kind of forget about, including me. But yeah, I mean, that's another, who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, he he had to go to FAU to, you know, get a little stint to kind of hit the reset button. And they were in Adidas school, and I'm sure that he hated it. But, I mean, he's been at Nike schools, you know, his, I guess Tennessee was technically Adidas back then. But that was pre, like, swaggy Lane Kiffin, all about the the NIL and the look and all of that. Um, I like
0: that, pre, pre-swaggy.
1: yeah. That. That was back when uh, the, um, you know, he was wearing boot cut khakis, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I say that kind of jokingly, but, I mean, I do think that's something that he probably considers. I mean, he's said time and time again he would love for Ole Miss to be, you know, a, a jump man school. I don't think it will ever happen just because I don't know if it's financially responsible for jump man to – to jump in with Ole Miss at this point just because the fan base is not as big as Florida or um, right, Oregon or UCLA or, you know, the other Jordan brand schools, Michigan. Um, but Hey, who knows? I mean, if he keeps winning 10 games in the regular season, they might just say, Hey, we'll roll the I, dice. I, Cause he's such a big brand.
0: I, I was about to say, and they could do worse. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, but, sure. But yes, I do think that stuff matters you know, the the Adidas. Right. And some coaches, it matters more than others. And like you said, there are situations where you've got to rebuild a brand and you've just got to go to whatever job you can get. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that if Lane Kiffin has choices and certainly this is probably the most marketable, this is, that's interesting. Do you think Lane Kiffin is more marketable right now than he's ever been in his career? Or would that have been after Alabama?
1: Probably right now because well, he's, the it, head coach. Yeah,
0: he's the head coach. Yeah, because he's the head coach. Yeah. And he's you know and he's
1: done it. Like you like you said, he's rebuilt Ole Miss in three years.
0: Right. Into an absolute you know, an interesting stat I just saw and I, I think about that, you know, Alabama at the end of the AP game or on Alabama Ole Miss, it said Alabama's been, I think, in the national rankings for two hundred and forty-five straight weeks or something like that, which is just and that's just like in season weeks. So that's you know, that's years and years and years of being in the poll. Yeah. Which is incredible. But you know, Ole Miss has been in the poll for 27 straight weeks. I mean, I know that's nowhere near Alabama, but Ole Miss has been in the national rankings for twenty seven straight weeks. Ahead like of Michigan. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's
1: that's important. That's
0: an That's important. That's an incredible amount of national consistency when it comes down to recruiting, like kids who, you know, high school kids who are looking at things who have been basically since they've been sophomores in high school, Ole Miss has been really good. You know, are Mm -hmm. they Alabama? No, but they've been really good. And I think that matters the consistency of the program. You know, every, every week or every two or three weeks, Ole Miss has played a big game. Sometimes they win, Sometimes they lose like that week, but that like this past Saturday, but that doesn't hurt you in the long-term of building the program. That consistency I think is just so valuable and something that, you know, Ole Miss, I don't know, have has ever really had in my adult life. They kind of, you know, for a, for a brief second there with Hugh Freeze, they did, but there was too much outside stuff. But, you know, every time you'd have a good year, you'd kind of fall back like with Houston nut or, you know, and the Matt Luke years were just mediocre. So I, I mean, to me, that's pretty incredible. 27 straight weeks. That's that to me is one of the best numbers of the the foundation that Kiffin has built very quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at the list, uh, Alabama 241 consecutive weeks, which is absurd. Georgia's that's crazy. second. Yeah. Georgia's second at ninety-four. Ohio State is third at forty-two. And Ole Miss is fourth at twenty seven. Think about I that mean, company right there.
0: Yes, that is, that's not anything, you know, if you need something to make you feel better after the Alabama loss, to me, that's the kind of things that, you know, you got to feel pretty good about yourself after that. Like that's really good company. Like how many teams, it's not often that, you know, we've had stretches of time, even in the past 10 or 15 years where, you know, Ole Miss was almost a joke of a program. Now it's one of the most consistent winners in the country. I mean, that, there's something to be said for that.
1: Yeah, and like you know, I, I've I've said this when when talking about this, and you know, yeah, I'm sure there's there are some people that are gonna fire back with, oh well, you know, you can't championships are more important, and like beating Alabama is 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 more important than being in the rankings. Okay, like. If you're going to act like that, talking about Ole Miss football, I'm going to hit you with, you know, Warden Norton from Shawshank. Like, are you being obtuse? (laughs) Like, come on now. Like, sure. You're headed
0: to the hole for a couple months on that one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, yeah. Championships are great. No shit. Like, everyone knows that. But, like, this is Ole Miss who had the modern-day death penalty. Like, Like what? fairly recently. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah.
0: And five or six years ago, I poured a big chunk of my life into that. I, I remember that vividly. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but it, it's just it here's the deal. If you're if you're really in the national rankings 27 straight weeks, you're winning some of those big games. Are you beating Alabama every time? No. Are you winning every single game? No. But you have in order to stay in the rankings, you are winning some of those big games. You have to. Yeah. Like otherwise it just, you know, it doesn't work otherwise. <laughs> like you you fall out of the rankings. That's it's like counting cards at a casino. Like, you know, it doesn't work every time, but you give yourself more chances to be successful. It's about playing the percentages. And when you have, when you've built a program, when you've got a lot of good players, you're giving yourself a chance. And I think if Old Miss keeps doing what it's doing, one of these days it is gonna hop up. And especially with the playoff expanding, I think there is it is good of a position right now that they've been in maybe in my lifetime. And so I, I just don't, i if I were an old Miss fan as frustrated from Saturday as I would be, I would not take that for granted. These are good times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's I think is the key is you're on the come up. Like, I mean, if you, if 2020. You're not
0: even on the come up. You're on the up. You're, you're yeah. up. I mean, you haven't won the, National, like the, the final goal hasn't been achieved. I realize that, but you are what you always wanted to be. You're a powerhouse. You're yeah. right there in the West and nobody thinks you're going, nobody is sitting here with Ole Miss right now and be like, oh, well, Ole Miss is pretty good this year, but they're losing all their players and they won't be good. Now, I think pretty much anyone who knows anything about college football is like, Yeah, well, this is going to be a problem in the West for a long, long time unless, you know, Wayne Kiffin leaves or something weird happens because I just I don't I don't see it going away.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you give 2020 COVID year, if you give them four more, you know, non-conference games, they win all of them. You're eight and four in the regular season, right? Right. Or I guess... They went what four and five in the regular season, so okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway, there's four more wins added to it. But I mean, even more so, year two he goes ten and two, and then yeah, you go to the Sugar Bowl. Matt Corral gets hurt, whatever. You finish ten and three, so you have a chance to win twenty games in the regular season in two years at Ole Miss. I yeah, mean, back
0: to back ten win seasons with uh, and I mean, and Kiffin deserves a ton of credit. You know, we talk about that COVID year like. I mean, we've, I've tried to kind of erase it from my mind, but what a mess that was for several weeks, you know, for several months and upwards of a year and to do, I'm impressed with anybody who built anything during that time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at, okay, going back to 59 and 60, I mean, obviously very different landscape, very different schedule set up, but Ole Miss won nine games in the regular season, back-to-back years, 59 and 60. So they went 10-1, and one, then 10-0 and 1. So this has literally never been done before to win back-to-back regular seasons with 10 wins if it happens. So the guy whose name is on the stadium has never done this. And he's doing it a year after losing his quarterback, all of his running backs, um, NFL guys on defense, both coordinators. I mean, um, if you want the full run of it, uh, dear friend and former colleague Michael Borky has a great bit on super talk that he, he put up on Twitter. Um, He ran through everything that, that Kiffin has had to replace this year and they have not missed a beat. So yeah, I, I just going back to the whole point of this segment and, I think that Lane Kiffin is setting himself up to – I mean, these next few years, however long it is before Nick Saban hangs it up, these are an audition for him to take over at Alabama. I agree. He wants that job. And I think just plain and simple, if you take the Auburn job, they ain't hiring you. I, it, I Alabama will do that. They won't care how many times you win the West at Auburn. How many bowl games you go to? If you go to a national championship, if you get to the playoff, they won't care. If you go to Auburn, they are not hiring a guy from Auburn. And I think that he wants, and it takes a special person to want to replace Nick Saban and Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin I would think, have
0: that ego? <laughs> oh, he's
1: he's what he's wired to to be like. I don't care. I'll yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. No. And I never. This is this is a whole different thread. than and I think you're raising a great point right now. I just think that you know it's not like you know Lane Kiffin looks at Auburn again and he's like that's a great job. It's not the job I want for many reasons, and I think that's one of the biggest ones right there.
1: I mean, before we get to the final segment as we close up here before we hit the break, you know it. You've been in this business far longer than I have, but we both know.
0: Hey, come on now. How old (laughs) do you think I am?
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, look, it's November. I mean, this is. This is Jimmy Sexton season. This is oh, what this he. This is what he does, as the kids would say, David. He's in his bag. Like this is his job. This is why he's the best. And this is what he's doing. Yeah, sure. Tiffin uh, Kiffin's probably like gonna I, listen. He's gonna listen to what Auburn has to say. I don't know. He'd be maybe a moron he is. If he didn't. He'd yeah, but a then he be if he didn't. But look, I mean, then you know, let's say he does. Let's say that John Cohen is or whoever the intermediaries, people that are. They're talking to him. Okay, cool. Now he's going to go to Keith Carter. Hey, this is what they are wanting to give me. Can you can you get me close to it? Can you get me that? Like, you know, I don't want to go to Auburn. I want to stay here. I like what we've built. I like where we are. I mean, that's just what is happening right now, in my opinion. Now, it could be yeah. just dead wrong, and he could go to Auburn on the the November 28th. I don't know, but I just don't see that happening.
0: I would be very surprised to because of your now that we're getting into this territory, I've got I've got a kind of a good Jimmy Sexton story. I think I can keep it. Please. PG enough for the. So anyway, I, I don't know. I, I got the old Miss job at the Clarion Ledger and I moved up to Oxford in 2007. It was the last year of Ed Orgeron. Things were falling apart. Um, it was the middle of the season. Like I got the job. I didn't move up there until like October 10th or something like that. It was right in the middle of the season. Um, And so things are going downhill with Ed Orgeron. I obviously have no idea what I'm doing, really. I don't even know, (laughs) like, how to get around campus. You know what I mean? Like, I had literally just moved up there. I'm just starting to talk to people and get numbers and, you know, try to establish myself as a young reporter. And so, you know, Orgeron gets fired, and suddenly it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a coaching search. And I have zero contacts, basically. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and Pete Boone and Walker Jones were doing their own thing. And, you know, I could talk to them a little bit, but, they, you know, they didn't know me. I didn't expect them to just funnel me information. So anyway, I did have a Fred, a reporter Fred, who was kind enough to give me Jimmy Sexton's number. So <laughs> the first, you know, Orgeron gets fired. Next day, it's coaching search time. So I'm like, all right, I'm geared up for the coaching search. Whose number do I have? Basically, nobody's except for Jimmy Sexton. So I I called him probably once an hour for like sixteen straight hours during the day. Like oh. I didn't call him at two in the two in the morning or anything, but I would call him <laughs> at like you know like eight thirty in the morning. No answer. Jimmy
1: Jimmy's probably up at two. I'll say that.
0: Right. Well, that's true. But I I would call him at eight thirty. Jimmy probably remembers this day, but it, anyway, eight thirty I call him nine thirty, and I'm calling him once an hour. Just and and I mean I'm exaggerating slightly, but once every couple hours I'm calling. And, you know, finally, it's like seven o'clock at night. I've basically accomplished nothing, you know, besides staring at my phone and, you know, trying to talk to people and doing what I can. And, you know, it's starting to get out there that Houston, nut, it looks like this is close. And so just kind of in sadness and desperation, I call Jimmy Sexton one last time. And to my shock, somebody answers and he just goes again, I'm editing. He goes, who the F is this? And I go, this is David Brandt (laughs) from the Clarion Ledger. And he goes, what the F do you want? And I was like, look, I'm sorry I've called you so much today. And I ran it down. I was like, I've been on the beat for two weeks. I was like, I'm hearing this about Houston that, you know, what, what can you, can you help me at all? And, and he actually did help me. And I won't go into everything he said, because some of it was, kind of off the record stuff. But he helped me a little bit I still remember that. Who the F is, I'm sure he was looking at his phone, looking at the 601 number, calling him every, <laughs> you know, hour or two. And he was so furious. He was like, look, and what was funny, again, you were talking about this. He goes, David, he's like, I've got a lot of stuff going on. He's like, Houston's not the only coach I represent. I was like, I know, but Houston Nutt is the coach I cover, and you're his agent. So I didn't really have anybody else to call him. But anyway, I've always... You know Jimmy is a hard man to get a hold of, but he's always been good when when I've gotten a hold of him
1: yeah i um the brief uh interactions I had with him working at sports fifty six in Memphis, he'd come on and do a a radio spot uh once a week and I would always it was always early in the morning and I was the producer there. I'd have to go unlock the door and and let him in. um he man, you want to talk about somebody that's got some stories. Um, oh,
0: he's 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 perfect. He is doing exactly what he was meant to do on this earth. You know what I mean? When you see when yeah. you see somebody like that, it's like that's a fit. And Jimmy Sexton he, is a perfect fit for what he does.
1: Now, this was years ago, so he's probably learned a little better to turn it off. But man, he was always on his A game when I would we'd be out there talking and you know just kind of you know hey good morning and then you know it got to a point where I'm like hey Jimmy you don't got to sell me like. You know, I, I'm I'm not trying to get a job, but like I I, I know you know what you're doing, um, <laughs> right? Exactly. I, you don't. I mean, yeah. You, just a
0: the legend precedes you, and then uh, I don't want to take up too much time on this, but an Auburn story about how aggressive they can be. So you know, Houston not had that awesome first year with Ole Miss and everything, and so after the season, Auburn was looking for a coach. This might've been Houston's first or second season. I can't remember which one, but anyway, Auburn comes in and they want to talk. And I hear, you know, through some people that things are going on. I start calling to the football office, nobody's answering. And so I'm like, and and I knew the secretary at the time I was like, if she's not answering there's something going on. So it's like eight in the morning. I just, I don't know what else to do. So I just drive up to campus to the football office. And so I, I walk into the office and uh, I, I still remember the secretary's name was China. She was very nice. Um, oh yeah, she's, China yeah she China She She's awesome. He, yeah, she may still be there for all I know, but she was she was very good to me. And I, I walk in, and <laughs> her eyes kind of get big, and she's like, "Oh, hi, David." And I was like, "Hi, China." I was like, "Is it okay if I?" I was like, "What's going on in the office?" And she was like, "Well, she's like, there's some people in there <laughs> talking." And I was like, do you mind if I just kind of sit out here and wait? And she was like, no. She's like, would you like a piece of gum? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so we sat there and just kind of talked for, because <laughs> she was, you know, and then I, I'm sitting there for 10 or 15 minutes and then Pete Boone walks out of the office and you should here have seen go. Pete Boone's face. Oh, it was amazing. Pete Boone's face was so, and, and shout out to Pete Boone. I can still call him to this day, and he gives me all kinds of background and stuff. He's like, I get along with him great, but he was mad at me on this occasion. And he he called me the paparazzi. I remember that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, I was like, you know, Pete, I was like, I've got to come up here. Like, you know, is Houston going to Auburn? And then, you know, he got, you know, we're keeping him there. No, but you could, Pete kind of stormed out of there. And then, and then right after Pete stormed out, Houston walked out. And he's got this, you know, that Houston grin, you yep. know what I mean? He's looking at me. He goes, he goes, Hey, David, he's like, you're a good reporter. You're up here. You know what I mean? He's like, you're hearing some things. And he was, he was totally hamming it up. And I was like, I have heard some things, Houston. I was like, are you going to Auburn? He was like, Oh, you'll hear something about it in a little bit. Then he just kind of ran off cackling. <laughs> but uh, that was, I, that was one of my fond memories of. The I'll tell Goldness. you.
1: A quick uh, Houston Nut story before we get into the final segment. Uh, I saw Houston in Walmart in Oxford. This was when he was the head coach. And I was kind of poking around the music section. This was back when people actually bought CDs. And yeah. I was so trying. You're not
0: that much older than me.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or actually, was... I'm not that much older than you. That's what I was trying to say.
1: I want to say I was in there trying to get some like Christmas gifts for like my brother and, um, I was looking for like a CD or something and he was poking around and I was just standing in the aisle with him. And of course I'm like, Oh, it's, that's Houston, not the head coach. And I swear, David, he goes, Hey man. And I turn around and I was like, Hey, wh- what's up? And he's like, you like these guys? And he, I, I shit you not holds up a Nickelback CD. <laughs> and I was that's like,
0: "Amazing!"
1: and I was like, yeah, they're all right. And he goes, okay man appreciate it and then he just walked off like just <laughs> that's incredible a, that's
0: a well what what was interesting about houston and i really kind of appreciated this about him but it, it, it's like coaches were back in the day you know houston was not a rich man for most of his adult life you know until really he got to arkansas he was at murray state you know what i mean and my parents mm-hmm. went to murray state so love Murray state shout out, but go they're not paying a ton of money. Right. Go racers. Popeye Jones. Great John ja Morant. Player. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For the, for but for the old school kids, Popeye Jones was, was Murray state back in the nineties. But, uh but anyway, so he, he still had kind of the mentality of a high school coach. You know what I mean? Like somebody who didn't make that much money. And so I can totally see him buying a Nickelback CD. And at one time, Again, we're just trading stories back and forth. But there was a a sushi spot that I loved. It was on Jackson. Uh, oh, what was I? It? It's in that was shopping it, center. You know what I'm talking was about? It, was it
1: was it Kabuki?
0: Kabuki, that's it. Yes, yeah, it was Kabuki. And so I was in there. Mustard shots. Place, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I was in there one time with my wife. We were just having dinner, and in walks. Houston nut with, with his wife, Diana, and a couple of his kids. I don't think all three of them were there, but, or actually he had four kids. So I think two or three of the kids were there and they sat down and, you know, Houston walks by, he sees me. He's like, Oh, Hey David. So, you know, he, he's they're pretty good. And so I walk over, shake hands. I was like, I'm not going to bug you, but I just wouldn't say hi. And I said, hi to Diana. And I was like, I didn't think you'd be a sushi type of guy. And he goes, Oh, I'm not. And he held up. He had brought in a bag of Abner's to eat. At Kabuki. And so he was just eating chicken tenders while his family, he was like, I, he's like, I don't touch this stuff. But he's like, but my family loves it. And so he's just. Yeah, were they going to
1: tell Houston that he can't eat Abner's and Kabuki? Right.
0: Oh, no. They they were like right here. He just, he had, because I saw he was carrying a bag, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't think oh, anything of it. But yeah, he brought in some chicken tenders and That's he incredible. ate Abner's while they're. Oh, it was amazing. And, and he was happy and his family was happy. And, there you go.
1: So, so Houston Nut is the guy that orders like a corn dog at a Mexican restaurant,
0: right? Exactly. Like goes goes to a steakhouse and gets <laughs> like a salad, you know, or something like that. It's it's like, come on, man, go go with the specialty. But at least he 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 totally had a plan right there. It, hey, he was he was, he was happily munching. I can't think of a better Abner's commercial actually than that.
1: <laughs> hey, I will tell you what, completely different people, completely different, you know career arcs and all that. But Lane Kiffin and Houston Nut are not very different. I mean, they are who they are.
0: Oh yeah. And, and, they're, and they're both very confident in themselves. They have some weird idiosyncrasies. Yeah. But at the end of the day, <laughs> pretty good dudes, you know, like yeah. the thing that I, and, and the thing that would be frustrating covering lane is that he's just not super accessible. But the great thing about Houston was like, you know, he, oh, he's the other thing open about book. Houston, what, you no, know, he was a total open book. And he he also texted like, you know, I have a 12 year old and an eleven year old daughter, but he texted like my twelve year old daughter text down. You know, he'd just be like all
1: short words and all that stuff. Yeah. But using anyway, the letter was, using the letter U instead of Y O U and
0: Right. And this was before it was like really like texting language had become something. And so like
1: pre emoji. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was Houston. Nut was an emoji back in the day. Like I don't know, like what would the Houston nut emoji be? Like the straw hat on top of a yellow smiley face. Like
1: yeah, like the like the little the smiley face that has like the cowboy hat on.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: Oh man! Anyway, I
0: hij- I totally hijacked your segment, but that was that was good story. Swag. No,
1: that that was amazing. Nickelback.
0: If we ever, if I ever write the Houston Nut uh, biography, <laughs> it'll be called Nickelback and Chicken Tenders. Yeah, <laughs> the Houston
1: dot story. Oh my gosh. All right. Final break here and then we'll break down week 12. Um look, if 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 you're still with us at this point, get ready for uh for the breakdown for for this week in the SEC, but hang tight, we'll be right back podcast also comes to you thanks to bluff city advisory group Memphis' leading team of finance professionals they can provide advanced assistance with financial planning pension and qualified plan support and business and estate planning strategies former Ole miss rebel and founding partner ben still along with his elite level customer service team make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com podcast brought to you by the Barry home team you're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home stacy and rick berry today They will lead you through the process from property assessment repairs staging and putting that sold sign in your yard both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421 after you have talked to the Barry home team You can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at saddlecreektitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, David. Final segment here, week 12. We won't run through the non con matchups here. You've got Austin P at Alabama, ETSU at State, UMass at AM, and then you've got UAB, LSU, New Mexico State, Missouri. I would imagine those will all end in wins for the SEC programs. The one that gives me minor pause, not saying an upset's coming, UAB could get a little little spunky it's not bill clark's best uab bunch that he's had but that might be the only one that's possibly going to be close
0: well you can see a scenario where uab lsu kind of sleepwalks into that game but uab gives him a little trouble for a little while yeah because as 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 impressed as i am thoroughly impressed with brian kelly um i do think that that lsu team is still slightly flawed as we saw in that Arkansas game, but I can see them, you know, having some trouble getting started on offense. You yeah, mean, I mean, it's only natural you know what I for mean? a
1: letdown spot,
0: right? I can see it being like ten to ten in the middle of the second quarter, and then LSU kind of yeah. went away and went There's, like there's been some fourteen or something.
1: Yeah, there's been some night LSU games, non-conference that get squirrely. Um, I did forget Western Kentucky is at Auburn as well. Um, Western Kentucky's got a good quarterback. Um, and Austin Reed, he's thrown for a ton of yards. Maybe that one gets a little weird because it's Auburn and they're struggling, but I doubt it. Um, sure. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Florida at Vandy, 11 a.m. I look uh, kind of same as last week. Vandy's had their moment. They were spunky early in the year. I think they're just Vandy at this point. Florida should win this one. I don't know what the spread is, but kind of depends on if you're getting, you know, good Anthony Richardson or bad Anthony Richardson at this point. I hate to do that because, you know, I was not a fan of the good bow, bad bow stuff. I think that's kind of lazy. But when Anthony Richardson takes care of the football and can run effectively, Florida is a they're yeah. they pretty good.
0: I mean it's lazy, but it's it's also the quarterback just matters so much in in
1: when he's been hot and cold. Eddie
0: and he, Eddie and he has been hot and cold. And you know, Vanderbilt, they're gonna be riding high. They got that big win last week. Uh, yeah, but
1: it's just yeah. hard to see them. I totally forgot about that, actually.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, and that's you know, for all the fans upset about Ole Miss or, or thinking they're not reaching their potential. Remember Kentucky, mm. Kentucky? Yeah. We were talking about the Wildcats four or five weeks ago. We were like, oh, they've arrived. You know what I mean? They're they're finally. And this was this was me talking. I was the one. I thought that they were kind of above losing to bad Vanderbilt teams but apparently I was wrong so I mean like again it's harder than it looks to stay in the poll for 27 weeks it's harder than it looks to win the games you're supposed to win and I just think never forget that
1: yeah the number is 14 here I'm laying them I think Florida wins 38-17 13
0: yeah
1: Yeah. 38-13 something like that I agree yeah um all right, speaking of those wildcats, Georgia at Kentucky here, Georgia just kind of has to avoid the the hiccup at this point. The number is twenty two and a half. I don't know if I'm laying them just because Kentucky might try to really muddy this one up and play keep away and not snap the ball until there's one second on the play clock, but Georgia's not losing this game. You already said it Kentucky's a shell of themselves what they were in September um. I like the Bulldogs here. I, you know, they're yeah, I, I actually looking like on all cylinders. To,
0: I like them to win by more than twenty-two as well. I, I think it's okay. going to be kind of like that Florida-Vandy game, of like thirty-eight to ten. I yeah. just don't think Kentucky's lost whatever magic they have. I think Georgia's playing really well. I watched part of that Mississippi State game last night, Mississippi Ooh. or a couple nights ago, and and State, you know missed some opportunities they could have made that game a lot closer than it was but georgia's really tough i
1: mean they i mean dude they they're so good state played them high early and then man you could just kind of i watched the highlights georgia just flipped a switch and it was over
0: yeah well i mean i thought it you know state made a couple like you know dropped a few passes dropped a pass you know and Georgia just once they smelled it, it was just bam and it was it was like state hit a brick wall so yeah. I think Georgia's really really good this year I think they might be them at Ohio State I think are yeah pretty 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 salty at this point
1: yeah Tennessee at South Carolina night game at Williams Bryce um the claw will be rocking for sure um. Man, I if if South Carolina South Carolina hadn't have laid an egg against Florida, oh I, I know might.
0: that that score surprised the heck out of me. I mean, yeah, I you I, know I thought I thought Florida could win that game, but South Carolina got pumped. I mean, that, I really thought that was maybe Billy Napier's best job at Florida. They they dominated that game, and you knew South Carolina wanted that. That was yeah, that was got,
1: surprising. They got dragged. Um, I, the number is 21 and a half. Tennessee can just score at will at this point. I so know that's feels like a, a 45 to 20, something
0: like that.
1: I know like it's going to be close and Tennessee is another team that can just kind of turn it on. Cause that Mizzou game was a little, a little weird. And then they dropped 66 on them. So man, I don't know if I would touch this one with real money, but. Part of me wants to think that South Carolina can just make this a a really stupid game and Tennessee get out of there, you know, 38, 21. But then another part of me thinks that it's just gonna be a business trip and you know they win 45, you know, 16 or something. So um yeah, I mean, Tennessee, I would I, I would
0: lead towards the latter at this point. Yeah,
1: because they're they're kind of going for style points at this at this juncture where they gotta they gotta win and they gotta win handedly for the playoff committee to maybe squeeze them in if other people lose because TCU still undefeated. Michigan Ohio State are going to have to play each other at some point. Um, and then now Oregon's lost. So <clears throat> seemingly the Pac-12 outside of Southern Cal is out. Um, so, yeah, they got to keep pace and win with some style. So I, I, I lean Tennessee here. All right. Um, final SEC-SEC matchup here. Um, number 11 Ole Miss at Arkansas, 630. Um, I did see earlier, I say earlier in the week, it's only Tuesday, but the weather looks like it is going to be absolutely frigid. So the number is 60 and a half. I hammer the under, I would think, because this might just be Quinshawn Judkins versus Rocket Sanders game here. The two are going toe-to-toe for the, SEC rushing crown at this point, the top two rushers in the conference. KJ Jefferson is expected to play. I would think that this is going to be a knockdown dragout fight that Ole Miss wins in the end. I wouldn't say running away, but I think they put Arkansas away and maybe win by seven, eight points. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so too. Arkansas just doesn't excite me very much offensively. I think they compete and they, you know, there's some things they can do. They can, But I, I agree that especially I'm looking at, it looks like it's going to be dry at least. And yeah. the wind is not too bad, especially for Arkansas. So I, I still think, you know, it's going to be cold, but I still think they can move the ball through the air a little bit and a, enough to mix it up. I, I think Ole Miss wins fairly handily. You know, I mean, something like 34 to 20.
1: Yeah, and even with K.J. Jefferson being back, I don't think he's 100%. And he didn't play last week, but Arkansas had their chances to win that game, and they just could not score. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's – you know, they just – and LSU is good defensively. I mean, that's part of it too. But, yes, I mean, that's the thing. I think Arkansas is – they compete hard. They've got good players. They're just kind of – they're like a better version of Auburn, you know, just – they struggle to score a little mm-hmm. bit. They're a little limited with what they can do offensively.
1: I will say, speaking of LSU, is it too early for Harold Perkins to just sit out and just wait for the NFL? Because I mean, <laughs> he like my, my goodness, what a
0: what a day for that man in his bank account.
1: Oh, oh man, I, I, I'm gonna have to check the uh, the NIL valuation for him right now. Because I mean, geez, he just, I mean, literally single handedly won the game.
0: Right. Well, I was about to say, I mean, like it, it's, you know, that was at least at a college level, I'm not comparing but that was like Aaron Donald type game plan wrecking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
1: just like, a, total... like how and Sue was back in the day.
0: Oh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah. I love just going back and looking at his stats from his, you know, when he was a Heisman finalist. but yes, you are absolutely right. I mean, it was just such a, such an amazing performance. I mean, four tackles and, for loss, four sacks. <laughs> I'm just looking at it right now.
1: Yeah, incredible.
0: Nine, nine tackles for loss as a team.
1: I mean, that 2009 Nebraska team, Sue's final year, he had 85 total tackles, 20 and a half How many tackles, tackles for loss, 20 and a half.
0: Yeah, and I he, mean, I remember it was in 12 crazy.
1: sacks. I mean, literally. Willed them to the Big 12 title game that they almost beat. They lost to Texas 13 to 12, but I mean, just absolutely, just demolished people. Yeah, uh, and
0: I mean, you know, and just just with the consistency that, like, oh,
1: know. just unblockable. Um, right? Yeah, Harold Perkins. I, I if I'm LSU, I'm not playing him this weekend. <laughs> like, maybe get out there and play a couple series and get him out. Right, like a first
0: quarter type thing, break a sweat, but
1: yeah, yeah you, in the same
0: way. I mean, protect that, wrap him in bubble wrap.
1: Yeah, just you put know. him in the medical tent. Like he doesn't need the medical tent, but just put him in there and just lock him in. Right. Um, and if
0: anyone goes next to the the medical tent, they're suspended. Like, don't get near <laughs> him. Don't.
1: Yeah, you need you definitely need him to be a hundred percent when you play against Stetson Bennett and in, in Georgia in a couple weeks. Um, so, all right, well. Hey, this was a fun one. I loved the uh the story uh story time with Houston Nut and all that. That was great. Um, oh, when
0: we go down that rabbit hole, it's it's hard to pull <laughs> ourselves out, but it's it's fun. Those were good times.
1: Yeah. So uh, that's gonna do it. Daytime fireworks, week twelve edition. Um, it is a packed slate for the SEC, when there's some non-con mixed in there. Um, not a bad little slate here. You've got Georgia, Kentucky, two thirty. And then you've got Tennessee, South Carolina at six, and then Ole Miss, Arkansas at six thirty. Um, so not a not a terrible week, even though you've got the non-conference, the cupcakes mixed in there. But uh, we'll be back next week to recap Ole Miss and Arkansas and look ahead to week thirteen, as it will be a short week for the Rebels as they uh return home to host Mississippi State for the Egg Bowl. But uh, David, as always, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. Thanks to the Thanks to the listeners that tuned in and thanks to the sponsors that make the show possible. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: And thanks for Houston, not to being so darn storytelling.
1: I mean, just Just a treasure. So
0: much fodder for that. just a, a national treasure.
1: Yeah. So, all right, until next week, we out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile
2: and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger.